118. If you've been a Christian very long, I know that you've enjoyed your own personal reading in the Psalms. But as we look at the Psalms closely, we learn a little bit more. Psalm, there are basically five major categories of psalms. There are psalms that are hymns. There are psalms that are laments. There are royal psalms that speak of and point to Christ as king. There are wisdom psalms. There are psalms of ascent, psalms a section of the Psalms from chapter 120 to 134 were all hymns that the people of Israel would sing on their way up to the temple. That's why they are called Psalms of Ascent because the temple was up on top of Mount Moriah on top within the city of Jerusalem and they were always going up to worship. What would you think if you had to sing 14 hymns all the way to church on Sunday morning? Most people make little minor, it's not really bad mistake, but a little minor mistake thinking that David wrote all 150. He didn't. He only wrote, wrote 73. There are psalms by a man by the name of Asaph. He's written 12. Sons of Korah wrote 11. Another one by the name of Heman wrote. Solomon also wrote two psalms. Moses wrote one psalm. Ethan and Ezraite wrote one psalm. And there are uh, 48 psalms that we don't know who wrote. They're anonymous authors. We're going to talk about one of those this morning. Allow me to read the text, the whole chapter, 29 verses, Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded on me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. 
The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad that songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts the right. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. I will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Father, as we ask for your, for your light and your wisdom and your understanding for this text, help us this morning to apply it to our lives. Help us know the importance that is here. We pray in the name of our Savior. Amen. If you were paying attention, you may have noticed in verse 24, one verse that has been taken out of context most often in modern times when it's used. I, I've heard it all my life. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's not a reminder to maintain a positive mental attitude. It's not a reminder encouraging us always to be grateful for the day. We want to look at this in the context. I've heard many preachers begin and end their radio broadcast with this, and they're taking it out of the context when they do, because all they're saying is just, be thankful to the Lord for the day, but there is more here than that. 32 years ago, I was attending a church where they sang a little chorus combining this verse with Psalm 117. And I remember the first time I heard them singing it, some of the young ladies were clapping their hands and skipping around the sanctuary, which I thought was quite odd. That was before I was a Presbyterian. And that same day, they served communion, which I also thought was quite strange because 
It wasn't bread and wine. It was potato chips and Coca-Cola. As we began describing the kinds of hymns, the kinds of psalms there are, this is kind of a blended hymn and a psalm of thanksgiving. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. You ever wonder why we do responsive reading sometimes in our worship? Because Old Testament Israelites did it. And this is one of those moments. There is a call for all people to give thanks in verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then there is a call for all of Israel in verse 2. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, and there is a call for the, for the priesthood, the sons of Aaron. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. And then there is a summation, focusing. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. It is a call for all faithful to listen to the Lord and trust that his steadfast love endures forever. And this psalm is giving thanks for what God does for his children and more specifically what God has done through his Redeemer. What are we to be thankful for? Why should we rejoice that his steadfast love endures forever? How does he prove his steadfast love? How has he proven his steadfast love? Imagine with me that last night before Christ was crucified, sharing the table, the last supper, with his disciples. Scripture doesn't explicitly state which hymn was sung. Yes, they did. They just didn't eat a meal. Passover is considered a seder. A seder in Jewish understanding is, we would call it a script. There are parts of that Passover celebration in every Jewish home where the children participate and they say some things. It's kind of a teaching a catechism for the Jewish people around the idea of this Passover meal. The whole family participates. And it was the same kind of thing that night about 2,000 years ago. Jewish tradition reveals that the Passover meal was concluded by seeing the last portion of what they called the halal, the praise, comprised of Psalms 113 through 118. It is a joyous celebration of praise and thanksgiving to God. 
and it's significant that these were sung during this particular Holy Week. If you look at these Psalms 113 through 118, you can see that there were many references in the eventual salvation of the Lord's people through the death and resurrection of Christ. And it is especially true of Psalm 118. And this concluded the Passover meal. This was the last hymn they sang. And the last nine verses, particularly of Psalm 118, were sung twice to conclude the evening. How does God prove his steadfast love? And how has he proven his steadfast love? In verse 5 of our text, we believe that they sang this as a hymn. We don't know what the tune was, but they sang this together. But I also, I am also the conviction, I'm convinced that when the Lord was in the garden himself, he was going over this psalm. They had it memorized. He had it memorized. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall not look in triumph. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. That's a very good verse for an election year. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Wonderful words for our meditation, but please consider what Jesus was about to endure as he thought about these very words. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Is this a contradiction? No, I do not think so. We have to be very careful how we understand these words. Christ, in his humanity, perished. But somehow he knew he would still be sustained. Somehow he knew he would live. And he does. 
In verse 19, open to me the right gates of the righteous, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. How do we know for sure that this psalm applies to the Savior? Savior? There are at least two places, two points there that we can see. In verse 22, it says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. We've all heard that verse probably more than once in the New Testament. In Matthew 21, the Lord was challenged by the Pharisees and those who really doubted who he was and why he was there. He had just, the day before, cleansed the temple, and the next day here he's teaching them a parable. Matthew 21 says here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. And when the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. And again, he sent other servants more than the first and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to, the sel- said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He's asking the people who are criticizing him. He's asking his disciples. He's asking his followers. They said to him, The owner will put those wretches to a miserable death and let let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruit. So the Lord told them, as he tells us, Psalm 118 was about me. So we know that that psalm was teaching about the coming Messiah. And it also teaches us about his sacrifice, and we'll see that in a moment. We just read in Matthew where he quotes that verse. Mark gives us an account of the same account quoting that verse. Luke also, in Luke 20, gives us an account. The apostle Peter, preaching to the city of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 4, says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He also cites that reference again in his epistle in 1 Peter 2.4. 
as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. He's making reference again to 118 and to the words of the Lord himself. Even the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2.20 tells us that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone. He is the stone the builders rejected. He is the stone that the unfaithful people saw no worth in. But he is the stone upon which our salvation is grounded and rests. Second point, second proof that this psalm is about Christ the Messiah. Verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. If you recall the accounts of Christ's triumphal entry, when he was coming into Jerusalem, and they were throwing palms and their cloaks before him so that his donkey could carry him across the carpet, up a path. They did not even want the donkey's hooves to get dusty. And they all quoted a line from this psalm. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So this is a psalm, this is a hymn, this is a song about Christ the Messiah. It is a song of thanksgiving. We are to be grateful for him because of what he did. What are we to be thankful for? Because his steadfast love endures forever. How does or how has he proven his steadfast love? And we again begin to see the context. We begin to see the true lesson. We begin to see the sharp sting of the edge of God's word in verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. This is a call for God to deliver. And when they're talking about success, they're not talking about the prosperity, the health, wealth, and prosperity preachers will try and convince you is talking about deliverance from death, the grave, hell, eternal condemnation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In verse 27, the Lord is God and he has made, he has made, past tense, completed action. Declared before the foundation of the world. He has made his light to shine upon us. Listen to the next words. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice 
and be glad in it. That's why when I hear someone lightly singing these words or taking these words out of context, it, it really do they really understand that it's talking about the day our Lord died and we're supposed to be grateful for it. We're supposed to rejoice in what he has done for us, but how in the world can we possibly do this? Knowing that he gave his life in order that sinners like you and I might live. It's more than we could hope for. It's more than we could possibly ask. But it closes out with words of praise. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. In Christ Jesus, your Redeemer, his steadfast love endures forever. Because Christ has taken upon himself your sin, your shame, And replace all of that with his own righteousness because his steadfast love endures forever. Some years ago, the late James Montgomery Boyce cited the words of Martin Luther. Martin Luther claimed this is one of his own psalms. He said, this is my own beloved psalm. Although the entire Psalter and all of Holy Scripture are dear to me as my only comfort and source of life, I fell in love with this psalm especially. Therefore, I call it my own. When emperors and kings, the wise and the learned, and even saints could not aid me, this psalm proved a friend and helped me out of many great troubles. As a result, it is dearer to me than all wealth, honor, and power of the Pope, the Turk, and the Emperor. I would be most unwilling to trade this psalm for all of it. We too can treasure the words of this psalm because they speak to us about our Lord and Savior. And as that 24th verse does seem to sting, when we realize what it really talks about, we are still admonished to rejoice because the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Father in heaven, as we come to this table and we prepare our hearts, may we, may we treasure what you have done for us. May we be reminded what this is all about. Nourishment and cleansing. New life and righteousness that is not our own. Yet we are given, we are even clothed.
freely by faith. Let us see how amazing that truly is. We ask it all in the name of our Lord. Amen. Find your hymn.